This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Hey everyone, my name is Karisha Martinez, one of the digital advertising whalers here at Whole Whale. And today on the episode, we have Ollie Bridge, who's the head of marketing at Bonjoro. Hi, Ollie, how are you doing? Hey there, I'm doing uh, really well. Looking forward to it. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about videos, multimedia in terms of marketing. Ollie has done a lot of work in looking at the differences between personalized videos that you send via email as opposed to one size fits all that you would kind of send in a mass marketing effort, which I think is really cool. So Ali, what are some of the key differences um, that makes personalized videos better than one size fits all? Yeah, well, I think we're at, I'll explain a little bit how I think of the difference at the moment. So I think we're at a point where like video hosting and video for marketing and one size fits all, fits all has been done a lot and a lot of businesses do it. Um, and we're at this tipping point where we're now able to do something a little bit more personal. So, you know, we're gonna talk about personalized video today. Um, and that's essentially sending a video, a one-to-one video to a particular customer just for them, rather than creating a video that's gonna be seen by your whole audience um, or someone on a, on a newsletter, for example. And the key difference really is that there's a few. So the first one, I think is when you're doing something personalized, you're showing that customer or your audience, a person that's receiving the video that you've taken the time. And by taking the time to do something just for them, I think you're giving yourself a much higher chance of creating a connection with that person and getting a connection at the moment, like online is quite difficult. And I think the sort of video hosting, broadcast video, one size fits all, um, yeah, doesn't have that sort of advantage. So that's, a, that's the biggest one. Taking the time and, and creating connections, I guess, with your audience and your customers is one of them. Um, the second thing I'd say is, is, I guess, like standing out and getting people's attention. So like the first bit, I think there's so much going on today. I think I was reading a stat the other day, there's people get 125, well, the average worker gets 125 emails every day. So you're wow. sort of battling against that. So it's like, what can you do to really stand out? So I guess that's a really huge benefit of personalized video. If they get a video recorded just for them, they're like, okay, wow, this is pretty delightful. That's awesome, you're saying my name. Um, so that sort of attention thing is, is a huge, huge part of it. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good point. I, my ears definitely perk up if I hear my name as opposed to, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I think what this, um, it's interesting. I wrote a white paper on this last year. And um, there's a part of it, there's a science part, I won't get into the real sort of detail, but apparently there's this, and I'm no biologist, but apparently there's this little sort of bit in the base of our sort of, uh, at the top of our spinal column, base of our brain, called the reticular activating system. And basically it, it sort of alerts your conscious brain to stuff that is just for you. And it's sort of, it's the reason why personalization works. So when someone says your name, or they say like the title of a film that you've just been seeing like the cinema or something, um, that part of your brain activates. So actually that's the whole sort of science reason behind personalization. And like personalized video really taps into that. Um, So that's the whole sort of getting someone's attention piece, like this actual science. And yeah, as I say, not a scientist, but there's, there's biology behind that. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so we're really biologically made for a personalization. 
yeah totally we're wired for it yeah and you know so if you create that experience just for that person you're probably bound to get a better result because you're getting their attention um and actually we've seen here through studies we've done and like a b testing of sending personalized videos versus one size fits all that you're you tend to get well we've measured it at about three times so 300 percent or is it 200 percent so anyway tripling of the responses that you get to your emails if they're recorded just for that person versus the one size fits all so it definitely has a measurable measurable effect that comes from from the stuff we were talking about before i think that 200 percent is really key and especially when we think about nonprofits like hoel does and getting like email open rates because those are the emails where nonprofits would send like donation asks or spread awareness about an event. Um, so can you name a case in which a nonprofit has used personalized videos for their marketing efforts and what kind of goals and objectives um, made this case particularly successful? Yeah, definitely. So we've got one of our uh, biggest customers is uh, the YMCA and there are a number of different YMCA camps all over the states that use Bonjoro. Um, and actually there's one camp, I'm trying to remember the name of it now, but they use Bonjour in a few different ways that are really interesting to us and should be interesting to, to you guys in the nonprofit space. So um, one is that they send videos, so personalized videos to, to new inquiries. Uh, so you know, basically parents that want to send their, their kids to camp, they send videos. And by sending those videos, they are, I guess, standing out against the other camps that like, don't do that. Um, and it gives them that chance to create a connection with the parent and the parent uh, it creates trust, I guess, as well. The second thing they do is actually send videos to previous donors to the camp. So a lot of the YMCA camps are supported by donors and those donors are typically parents that might have uh, sent their kids to camp or maybe grandparents that want to support that cause. Um, and then the third part of what they do is sending videos to parents that have sent their kids before asking them to refer friends or refer other people uh, to the camp. And uh, the, I'll go on to, I'll, I'll focus on the second part of those, so videos to previous donors. This is a really interesting one. So a guy called Tim who runs a camp, one of the camps, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not gonna try and pronounce it. <laughs> he uh, used Bonjoro last year to send videos to previous donors. And he sent, he had an amazing idea. What he did, he sent videos to previous donors and in the video, he used the call to action button. So you can put a little button next to your videos when you use our tool. He used that button to send them, he linked them to a YouTube video showing those people all of the ways that their money had been spent that year, mm. which was really, really cool. So it basically showed all of the investment that had gone into the camp and all the new stuff they built, all the new facilities. Um, and Tim actually sent one of these out. I think it was like the first one he sent to a previous donor. And I think it was the next day he got an extra $3,000 donation wow. from that person. <laughs> so it's really powerful because that, that stuff, you know, the proof of where their money had gone had come with this like really personalized thank you message as well. Mm -hmm. He didn't even ask for a donation. He didn't say, oh, please donate again. He just wanted to say thank you and show them what happened with their money. And I just thought it was amazing. So. Yeah, that's, that's really amazing. What just going that extra step and a thank you can do an extra three thousand dollars apparently <laughs> yeah you know and that was just one so i think yeah i think it did pretty well out of that campaign so i'd say you know anybody looking any non-profit looking to use or particularly a charity looking to use personalized video 
definitely sending videos to previous donors, yeah. showing them where their money has gone is, is a huge piece. You don't even have to make an ask on that. You know, I'm pretty sure that people will just be delighted by that and want to want to contribute again. Yeah. And in that same vein, I'm wondering on like the anatomy itself of a personalized video, like do you have like top three things that should be in any and every personalized video that you would send to a potential donor? Yeah, so the first thing should be their name. So at the start of every video, if you're taking the time to send this thing and it's personal, say their name, you know, activate that conscious part of their brain and, and make it delightful for them. The second piece should be, maybe at the start of the video, I find it's really cool to say what you're going to share with them. So maybe say something like, I wanted to share two things with you today. First one is this, second one is this. Um, it just sort of sets them up a little bit and sometimes just say how long you're going to take. So say, I just wanted to take 45 seconds to share a couple of things with you today. The first thing I wanted to share with you is this. So they know what they're going to get from the video. Um, and then the third one is really important is the call to action. So what action do you want to drive uh, from the person? So in Tim's case, it was sending these videos to previous donors. It wasn't make a donation. Again, it was please watch the video and see where your money has gone. So make sure you're driving that action. Um, and you can always, with our products at least, you can put a, a call to action button next to your video. So, so definitely drive action. So say their name, tell them what you want to share um, and how long it's going to take, and then use a call to action uh, at the end as well to drive action. Yeah, that's, those are really good ones. <laughs> and hopefully maybe your organization will see $3,000 extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've been talking about email a lot. Are there any other mediums that you think personalized videos would work well for? I'm thinking maybe text messages. Have you seen anything similar to that? Or do you think that would be something a little too invasive? <laughs> yeah, so I think the, the beauty of email is that email has been abused a little bit. Mm -hmm. So doing it in email really helps you stand out. You're doing something different. You're probably gonna get that cut through. That's why we started an email. And I think it's why a lot of people have success with email. Mm -hmm. um, SMS is going to be a big one, I think. It, more and more organizations are switching to SMS because you know, you're not as reliant, and reliant on the sort of email deliverability and open rates and this sort of stuff. Um, so we're actually building out SMS ourselves at the moment, and I do think it'll be a great one. We haven't got any stats around that. We haven't seen it, but we've had a lot of organizations that use our product ask for text message, mainly because they're capturing that data and really want to do it. So I think, yeah, text is a, is a huge one. And I wouldn't worry too much about that being invasive. If someone's given you their number, I think they'd prefer to see something personal come back than just be sort of put on a list with everybody else um, that they might unsubscribe to you know, in the future. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. And the third one is social media. Social's hard because, again, social media has been quite abused in different ways. But on the flip side, I think you'll get that standout thing again. So, you know, sharing a, a video message uh, in a Facebook Messenger, if you've got access to Facebook Messenger and if they're giving you permission, would be really nice. So I think it's a bit like email, although it's been abused a bit. It's If you take the time, you're going to stand out and actually you're probably going to create more trust with that person. So I think yeah, SMS and social are definitely the sort of the next part of this. Mm. Yeah. We can't talk more about how great personalized videos are. Um, but I think it'd be fun to play a little game here on the podcast. 
um, a kind of pro versus cons game on whether our organization, your organization, the listeners organization should be using personalized videos in their marketing efforts. So we'll just go back and forth a couple times, talk about all the good things and maybe some of the setbacks that can also come with that. Does that sound good? Perfect. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Hopefully it'll be fun. <laughs> you can start. Let's start on a positive note. <laughs> Okay, uh, so, okay, I'll start with the pro. So mm -hmm. I said big pro is that, and I think I might have said it before, it shows that you care. So you've taken the time and it shows that person that you care about them rather than sort of seeing them as a number. Mm. Maybe a con to that would also be, since it's so personalized, especially with privacy being a big topic these days, users could potentially see that as a bit invasive. Like, how did you get my name or how did you get my number? Even if they did give it to you, just kind of that remembering process of, oh, how does this organization know this information about me? I think, yeah, coming back to that, I'd, I'd say the key part is permission. So as long as you're asking the right permission, you should be good. And I think it's about, you're only really ever going to get you, know, you want fans, right? I think everybody wants fans, like companies, organizations, charities, everybody needs fans. And actually what you really want to do as an organization is identify those people. Mm -hmm. So those that sort of don't like your approach, I'd almost say like, don't worry about those people because they're not going to be your super fans. They're not going to be your advocates. Mm -hmm. And actually really what you're doing with the personal video is delighting those people who are prepared to be delighted and taking their experience to another level. And if their experience goes to another level, they're more likely to, to donate more or tell other people about you. So I sort of wouldn't fret the people that are, you know, a bit fretful over sort of the approach that you take. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good counter. <laughs> um, thinking about people who, like you said, are excited to see their names. And I think even maybe the ones that aren't, exci aren't as excited wouldn't have really even donated in the first place. Um, yeah. Do you want to come with another pro? Yeah, okay. Um, so I think a big one is the law of reciprocation. So mm -hmm. I don't think we talk about this enough in sort of sales and marketing, but when you do something, when you do a piece of marketing, like say you send out like this broadcast video, what are you sort of hoping for in return? It's actually really difficult to understand that and to get that right with this sort of broadcast one size fits all approach. So personalized video really, because you're taking the time, show that person that you care about them, you're really increasing that likelihood of reciprocation and you're giving more thought to what action you want them to take. So you're more likely, there's two things, they're more likely to take action because you're showing them the action you want them to take and due to the law of reciprocation, they've thought, oh, you've taken the time, I'll take the time back. So you've got sort of two parts to that. To counter that, you talked about time, and to be quite honest, it takes time to make these personalized videos. I'm worried about the lift that organizations would have to use in order to create personalized videos for every single person on their email list. How would you kind of combat that kind of lift, like I said, and weight that it would put on an organization if they don't have that kind of bandwidth within their staff? Yeah, we've come across this objection quite a few times, actually. So there are, I think, are two parts to this. So 
One is that you really want to do a good job of identifying the people that you feel you should be sending videos to. So that comes down to looking for signals in your data and, and doing a good job of, sort of extrapolating those. And you know, I don't want to talk about our product too much, but in our product, you can set up workflows where it's like there's a trigger event. So it might be you know, this person has donated above a particular amount. So they're probably more likely to be someone you want to send a personalized video to. So that's one way of doing it, you know, looking at your own data and really sort of pulling, pulling apart who you really want to spend that time on. And the second piece is, you know, I'd, I'd wait to there are lots of nonprofits all over the world that spend a lot of time building up huge teams that might be sort of tele, telesales or, you know, telephone donations, these sorts of things. You know, actually, how much harder is it than that? Probably not. Um, you know, all you need to do is whip out your phone, record a quick video. The video could be 30 seconds. And actually, the, the script, you know, would probably a lot of big organizations will be used to sort of things like creating scripts for people. That could be you know, really easy to, to create. And actually, a lot of the tools, the video messaging tools, the personalized video tools on the market like ours today, actually also have an added benefit, which is they let you create like pre-built templates. So your video email, the subject line, the text in that, the, the, the link through to the video landing page. And then the video landing page itself can be customized with your branding, with a call to action button, and with a little message prompt next to it. So you can actually create templates that mean that you're not having to like recreate all that stuff. All you need to do is get someone to record the video, hit send, and it's all done. So that email goes out, the landing page is already ready to go. So really the recording of it doesn't take that much time. 30 seconds, 60 seconds. And I'm sure a lot of organizations are already set up for that sort of thing already. So why not, you know, give it a go, maybe A-B test it against your existing arrangement and see how much more cut through you get. It'd be really interesting. Yeah, I think the idea of templatizing it is a great counter because especially with personalized videos, sometimes it can feel like, oh man, like I have to make this as personal as possible, like for each individual person that we have. But like you said, having a name, um, having a specific landing page, and then a call to action at the end is really just all it takes to make it feel a lot more personal than a, hey, user of whatever organization you are. Yeah. Can I add one other piece? Yeah. I'm just thinking about, like, I'm thinking of a typical campaign and how much work goes into a typical, like, broadcasty type campaign for any sort of nonprofit or big organization as well. And that would be months and months and months of planning. And you're always a little bit unsure what you're going to get back from it and whether it's going to work. And the flip side of that, when you think about personalized video, it's if it's something you've got systematized and inbuilt into your business, actually you're not really planning it. You're just thinking, okay, how are we going to use this? Let's send personal videos to past donors. Mm. And it's just happening. It's just like a system that's happening. You're sending them every day. Maybe you're sending 50, 100, 150, depending on how big your team is you're not having to do a lot of this sort of planning and campaign piece. So essentially it's lightweight in a sense versus your, your other stuff that comes with, I guess, a lot of hoops that maybe you have to jump through and get the rest of the team on board with. So there's, there's another little bit to it, which I think that's definitely relevant to bigger organizations that sometimes some of these campaigns take a lot of time to plan. I have just one more counter. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, I'm wondering about production quality especially with these bigger organizations, the way we've been talking about personalized videos is just kind of using your phone, 
recording a staff member saying, hey, Jack, thanks for your donation. We really appreciate it here at, for example, the YMCA. I wonder if people who expect, I guess, a certain quality of video from big organizations like the YMCA would be kind of turned off from more homier, made on your iPhone, Android type videos. Yeah, I think the key, I think the key thing and the key response for me is authenticity. I know a lot of people throw that term around, but I do think like the person on the other end, our experience as well, from looking at our customers that have used personalized video, the person on the end, other end doesn't really care. As long as the message that you're telling them or that you're saying is at the right time and it's authentic mm-hmm. and it's relevant to them, they don't really mind about the production quality. They're the only person that's going to see this video. They're not expecting anything to look incredible. You know, they know they're probably still, you're still going to be doing your sort of uh, broadcast messages, your bigger one size fits all stuff, and they'll expect it there. But when this is just coming into their inbox or their SMS, yeah, they're not expecting that. They just want the message to be true, mm-hmm. and they want the, I guess the, um, yeah, the message just to be true and authentic, and um, you know, not taking a lot of their time anyway. So let's like say sixty mm-hmm. seconds. I'm sure they won't mind. And as I said before, you know, it's the people that that engage with it, that you want to be your advocates and you shouldn't fret too much to people that have other expectations. Yeah. And also thinking that, like you said, it's really just going to their inbox. It's not necessarily a Super Bowl commercial or something like that. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our production is kind of expected. Yeah. Cool. Honestly, Ali, I think you won pro versus con. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on to our rapid fire round. This is just a standard part of all of our podcasts um, where we go ask our guests a couple questions about their experience in industry, both marketing um, and nonprofits, and take about 30 seconds to answer. Are you ready to get started? Yeah, I'm ready. Awesome. <laughs> okay. What is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year? This one was really easy for me because there's a tool I'm loving at the moment called Notion. Um, it's yeah. basically a, a, a document and project management tool that yeah. it's really, it's just so flexible and it's so fast. I think a lot of time nowadays, like you need tools to be quite fast because we all work quite fast. I don't know why I think we're expected to be so productive, but this thing is just lightning quick. Mm-hmm. It's really clever. Like you can create a list in Notion of like things to do related to a project and you can actually dynamically switch that list from a list view to a calendar view to a Kanban board, which is incredible. For me, that was a complete game changer. So yeah, I love absolutely love Notion. I think it's amazing and everybody should give it a go. It's cool. Yeah, I love Notion too. I use it when I work on projects with some of my friends. I agree, the interface is really nice and easy to use. Yeah, I think I was, I was at, um, I was picking up like a typical Brit, I was picking up some fish and chips a few weeks ago <laughs> on a Thursday night or Friday night. And I was actually in the chip shop waiting for my food to come back. And I was working on the Notion app, like actually working, like adding stuff to it, figuring out planning. And it was so easy. And that was just a light bulb moment. I was like, wow, okay, these guys have created something incredible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was really cool. It was surreal. <laughs> Awesome. On the flip side of that, are there any tech issues that you're battling with right now? Um, not necessarily battling with, but an ongoing thing for us that we have to work really harder with is uh, deliverability. Mm-hmm. So with personalized video, there's an expectation that you're taking that time 
like so our customers want these things to get through they've got to be opened you know they want to be viewed so we're really like super committed to deliverability and you know i think our average open rate at the moment for our personalized videos sent with bonjuro is is about 70 percent, 72 percent, something like that so we're like incredibly committed to that so it's not necessarily a battle but a commitment and that's you know a huge part of our company and we want to keep that going because i think there is that expectation level there as i said if you're sending a personal video taking that time you really want it to, to inbox so we don't want to go the way of sort of mass marketing tools and end up getting open rates of like 20 percent or 25 percent um we're expecting better for ourselves and for our customers yeah that's a good one um what's coming in the next year that has you most excited so I'm really excited about something I've been talking about for a while. I'm really hoping it's coming soon. There's a lot of development going on here. Um, I'm calling it pre-built funnels. So basically it's going to be pre-built campaigns in Bonjoro that essentially plug and play. So you'll be able to go, okay, I want to do donor thanking. And you'll be able to click on it. It'll give you an example workflow so you can connect it to whatever CRM you're using to bring in those donors automatically. Um, and then it'll show you as well, hey, you could use these templates. So there's this subject line you can use for the email, this message prompt, you could use this call to action. So I put together, I recently released this thing called the Video Funnel Playbook, and they're like 35 different plays of how you could use video in your business. So we're taking that whole playbook and we're plugging that into our product. So someone can arrive at the website and go, okay, I want to do donor thanking. I'm going to click on this, I'll go into the product. And during just the onboarding, we're going to show you, okay, this is how you do it. These are some templates you can use. Really sort of take the thought away a little bit too much and, and just make it really sort of plug and play. So I'm excited about that. I think it will get help people sort of get over that. I guess the question is like, how do I use video? People hear about video and think, oh, it sounds really cool. But then the barrier and the obstacle in their mind is, okay, how do I actually use that? What would I write here? What would I say here? What call to action should I use? So we're trying to take all of that thinking away so people can just focus on actually doing the thing itself. Yeah, that's an exciting one. And I think it comes back to like templatizing things. It just lifts such a load. Can you talk about a mistake you made earlier in your career that shapes the way you do things now? Yeah, um, growth hacking. Mm. So I'm not a big fan of growth hacking now. So I've done like as a marketer, I've done lots of sort of, sort of I guess, so-called growth hacks. Can and you most of the growth hacks hacking is? <laughs> yeah, so I guess trying to, I guess I could explain it. Mm -hmm. Thinking that you're Mark Zuckerberg or one of the Mark wow. Zuckerberg's engineering team and to trying to create massive growth in traffic or signups or whatever it might be through doing some fancy tricks with data and, mm. you know, sort of marketing tactics. I'll give you a very quick example, actually. I don't know, can I say about this on it? But it was one that went wrong and basically taught me not to do growth hacking. Essentially, I, I, was, I was able, I scraped a load of um, users of companies that used a particular messaging tool. I won't say which one. Mm. And then I created like an automated like message that would go to these people saying, hey, by the way, we just launched this thing on this app store. And it was super relevant to them. I only found people that were very, very relevant for what we were doing. Mm -hmm. But we basically got a, I got a complaint of, of like spanning this sort of messaging tool, uh, got banned from it and you know, their legal team got in touch and said, oh, you shouldn't do this. And, and I just thought, why am I doing this? It goes against like every sort of principle I have in marketing. 
I just, so when I talk about growth hacking, I'm talking about like these sort of things that you think are going to be like quick wins and they're really things that you should just be leaving to Twitter or Facebook, their engineering teams who are you know, really doing this stuff at scale. When we're talking about most businesses, most sort of normal businesses, I just think focus on relationships, build great relationships, build value for your customers, um, do things a bit more one-to-one, do things a bit more manual, don't get carried away with like automating everything. Like we actually, we actually have a, a motto here at Bonjour internally, which is automate processes, but never relationships. Mm. And we try and think about that all the time. It's like, okay, if we're automating something in our business, automate the process part, but never automate the part that's meant to be creating the relationship with your customer. Um, so that's what we try and stay true to. And yeah, growth hacking <laughs> stuff is a thing of the past for me because yeah, it doesn't work. And yeah, it just made me, got me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say you had a hot tub time machine that could go back to the beginning of your work. What advice would you give yourself? Definitely not to be so scared of uh, failure. And, mm-hmm. and I guess the second part of it would be that things happen in much longer cycles than you think they do. So I think I had this as a young person, I thought things happened in six months, a year, mm-hmm. that you could get loads of stuff done, you could be successful. It's just not the way. You've got to think, and I think you should tell people in your organization this as well, to set expectations and help them feel happier. Mm. Tell people that things happen in much longer timescales. Mm. You know, if you're committed to a mission as an organization and as a team, like we are here at Bonjuro, it's mm. going to take you five years, seven years, ten years, possibly longer. So enjoy building towards that mission and don't be so fraught about, about the, the short-term stuff, about succeeding quickly you know, raising money or what, you know, whatever it might be, know that the mission counts and that actually it'll take a long time and do the right things because otherwise you'll, resu- you'll, you'll resort to the growth hacking type stuff if you're worried and thinking, oh, I need that quick fix or we need that quick win, whereas actually that's not stuff that works. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I definitely feel that <laughs> in my post-grad life. <laughs> What is something you think you or your organization should stop doing? Trying to please everyone. Mm. So I think we're, we need to commit to a niche a bit more. Mm. We've got this tool that's amazing. We love it. And a lot of our customers love it. And it can do lots of things for lots of different people and lots of different industries. And I think the temptation for us is to try and speak to everyone. Mm. Whereas actually, I think we need to, commit to a niche listen a bit more look for signals where people are having real true deep success with that with our product and and commit to that niche but it's really difficult to do because there are so many different cool ways of using personalized video and we've seen so many different people use it in different niches um do you almost want to speak to them all but i think at some point we're going to have to really sort of commit down um and niche down yeah yeah that's real (laughs) Let's also just say you had a Harry Potter wand for the marketing industry. What would it do? This one's really easy. So it would tell you exactly where every customer found out about you. Hmm. I know, like, I struggle with this. A lot of people, I guess we call it marketing attribution. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult, like, as a SaaS business ourselves, a software business, trying to build out and measure exactly where everybody comes from where they get to in our funnel 
whether they stick around, how much they're worth to us, what the lifetime value is, and like all of this stuff, stitching all of that together. I don't know anyone that's done that perfectly. Um, mm. I'm still pretty sure like massive companies struggle with this. Yeah. I just wish there was like, one tool to rule them all that could give you like a perfect view of this is exactly what's happening, where everybody came from. These are your best customers because they came from here. They're spending this money. They're in this niche, this industry. Um, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> please build that. <laughs> Harry Potter, wherever you are. Yeah. How'd you get started in marketing? So I was, an, I guess, an, maybe an interesting case. I, I shifted over from sales. So I, my, my, many years ago, my uni degree was history. Well, I did history and then an MA in English Lit. And then I left and went into, um, into wine. So I wanted to be a wine critic. Um, so oh. I started working at, the, at, a, at a wine store and did my uh, exams and certifications for that. And then found that I actually didn't want to be in retail because it was taking up weekends and I wanted to go out drinking with my friends and like <laughs> relaxing, having a good time. Um, so I moved into sales for uh, a software company called Gorkana that was in the sort of PR space. So basically a, a database of journalists. Mm. Um, and I spent about 10 years in sales. And then I joined, so the company that I'm at now, Bonjuro, I actually joined for their sister company called Verbate. And Verbate is, um, I'll just very quickly say, it's a company that allows big brands to do market research via mobile video. So you can basically ask anybody in the world what they think of something. And Verbate, our company, will go out and, and find people that want to respond to those questions and they'll respond on video. Um, so I was doing sales for that company. And then we, so this is going to be a longish answer, but basically we then, for that company, we started sending personal videos to every new client or customer. Um, so this is sort of how Bonjoro was born. We were running this thing called Verbate. It was doing pretty well, um, but actually we were based in either like London or Sydney. And a lot of our customers were all over the world. So they might've been in New York or in LA. And we wanted to have that personal connection with them as soon as they signed up or got interested or made an inquiry for the business. So we thought like Matt, our founder of Bonjoro, thought, hmm, why, don't, why don't we send them a personal video so we hacked together this way of doing it and we started sending like personal videos in all sorts of like weird ways, trying to figure out how to do it and got an amazing response. And actually that led to us thinking, oh, maybe we should create this as an actual product. So that's basically the story of how Bonjoro was born. So then I moved over, coming back, so I've gone off on a tangent, but coming back to it. So I moved over from sales in verbate to marketing on Bonjoro when we realized we released this sort of early version of Bonjoro, people were loving it. Lots of people were asking us, where can I get this? We were being invited in for meetings with like lots of big charities without even really going out and like mm -hmm. approaching them. Everybody was opening their doors. So Matt, the founder said, right, okay, we need more people across on Bonjoro. Ollie, do you want to come and do the marketing? I know you want to do marketing for us. So I moved across from sales into marketing. I think that's quite a natural thing. If you've got a salesperson who's got that sort of background in like, copywriting or really interested in the strategic elements of that sort of stuff then yeah they can shift across mm. sorry that's a really long answer but yeah <laughs> from wine to marketing here we are yeah from wine to marketing here we are yeah <laughs> um what advice this is my favorite question actually what advice would you give college grads looking to make a meaningful first step um, in the marketing industry so i'd say a, few, a couple of things so i'd say focus on copywriting and customer research 
Mm. not the growth hacking stuff. So don't read all these blogs that are telling you like how you can grow traffic, all this sort of stuff. Focus on copywriting, you know, get your skills up on that side of things. Customer research, you can truly find out what customers want because that's, as an organization, that's really all you need to know to do great work. Um, and I'd say as an example of this, so how you can actually use this, so anybody listening that wants to get into uh, into marketing, I'd say in your applications to companies that you really want to work for, why don't you use these things? So maybe you could like rewrite a landing page that's on the website of the company that you're applying to, to show them that you're truly interested in copywriting and that you're a good copywriter um, or interview some of their customers. You know, I don't think there's any problem with that. As long as there's no sort of issues with it, you know, have a think about it in terms of um, the exact company. But if you can find out who their customers are, interview some of them, you know, if they're available online or they follow them on Twitter, maybe approach them on Twitter and say, Hey, I'd love to speak to you about this company. And if you rock up into the interview or you put it on your application that you've spoken to them and found out some insights, I think that'd be incredible. So actually that's two quite actionable things. Yeah. Maybe rewrite a landing page and do some customer research for the business. So take that time and really show that company that you care about that, you know, the business and their, their mission. And yeah, copywriting and research, I think, are huge. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, what advice did your parents give you that you either followed or didn't follow? Um, I'm going to sound really, I don't know, it sounds really sort of soppy, but like to be kind to people. Uh, yeah. I really, I, I know the world's quite cutthroat and when you're working really hard, it can feel really tempting just to you know, stop being kind to people and be less forgiving and maybe act like other people are sort of treating you. But I think you've just got to keep going back to trying to be kind to people and I think you'll be okay. Um, yeah. And uh, alongside that, I'd say actually, you need to keep yourself like healthy as well. Like it's not something my parents said, but I think I'm always kinder when I'm healthy or exercising. I'm always a bit of a, a I don't know, I'm a bit horrible when I'm not. So like maybe the two come hand in hand, I don't know. <laughs> awesome. That's a good one. And that's honestly a great place to end our rapid fire round. Yeah, that concludes today's episode. Thank you so much, Ali, for agreeing to be on the podcast. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people find you? So I think the best place, just go to bonjuro.com and you'll find out all about Bonjuro, what we do, the product, uh, our business. You, know, you should get a good feel for our ethos as well, a feel of our brand. So, so head there and uh, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Ali. Thank you. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us.